the natural, are we being Christian with our own hearts? Are we putting on a mask? And do we look forward to the future? Do we have fear? Do we have anxiety? What is gripping us? And are we saying, I know God is with me. I know he's here. I know his promise over me is true. And I think when we get honest that maybe there is some anxiety and maybe that's the reason you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, what is going on in your heart and are you truly resting in him? And I want to share just a brief teaching, a single verse, do not be afraid, only believe. Let me sort of give the context of the verse and I'll just read the chapter. This comes out of Mark chapter 5. And I'll start in verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Pretty good prayer, isn't it? Now put yourself in that scene. Here you have the ruler of the synagogue. By definition, he is a righteous man. By definition, he is observant. By definition, he is keeping the Torah. It's really hard in the first century to be the ruler of the synagogue and not do that. Let me add to it, here's a ruler of the synagogue who, unlike the Pharisees, is saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah. So he's not just righteous, he is also a believer. You are the one. And if you will come and lay hands on my little daughter, she will live. Pretty good prayer. Put yourself in the position of Jesus where you know Pharisees are trying to kill you. You know this guy is actually going against them. He is actually putting his own position, life, everything on the line by coming to you and falling at your feet. So if you're Jesus, what are you going to do? Think about it. Think it through. You're Jesus. What are you going to do? Well, the gospel tells us. So Jesus went with him. (laughs) Now, have you ever been in that position where you've prayed and God says, I'm coming with you? You ever been there? But the miracle hasn't happened yet. What happens to the ruler of the synagogue? Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. We're getting set up. Now, a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Now, if you're the ruler of the synagogue, what's your reaction to the woman who has the issue of blood? Jesus is busy right now. I'm sorry, I come first. This is a delay, isn't it? We talk about the one with the issue of blood. We rarely talk about the ruler of the synagogue and what's going on between the two of them and how one thinks he's getting an answer to prayer. The other one 
knows that if she can come and touch him, she will get the answer to her prayer. And so you have this conflicting, you have a God who has been torn in two directions at the same time. Okay? Now, verse 30, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? So Jesus stops down. He's not proceeding along the way. He stops. He wants to find out what happened. She confesses everything. The disciples are going, what's up with you? There's a whole throng. Why are you saying who touched me? But all the story comes out. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, have you ever been praying for something and it got worse? You had the assurance when you first started praying that Jesus is with you, he's going with you, and then along the way it got worse. What's your reaction? Give up? Be honest. Is doubt and unbelief going to creep in? Are you going to be afraid? Are they going to be, okay, I thought you said yes, but now I don't know. Are you going to waver? Are you going to have doubt and unbelief? The wind and the waves are going to toss you around. Have a little sport with you right now. What's going to be your thought? Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Here's the word. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Understand the words we speak are very powerful. You have the power of life and death on your tongue. The psychologists tell us 80% of our self-talk is really negative. We look in the mirror every morning and say, ooh. And the older you get, the more you say, ooh. (laughs) What happened to you? We're not prophesying over ourselves health. We're not prophesying over ourselves prosperity. We're not prophesying over ourselves deliverance. We're not prophesying over ourselves peace, righteousness, and joy. We're actually saying very negative things. In our heart of hearts, we're going negative. Now, if you're the ruler of the synagogue, you get the report, don't bother him anymore, she's dead. What happens to your heart? That silly woman, (laughs) she had interfered. I mean, a lot of things start going on. And Jesus hears the word that's spoken, comes in with this. Do not be afraid, only believe. Now, when I got this January 1, I was reading it and going, well, I wasn't afraid until I got that word. (laughs) I was actually praying at the time. All right, God, what's the new thing this year? Where are we going? I want a word of direction. And so when God tells me, do not be afraid, I go, wait a minute. The other time I got a word about do not be afraid, 
I was in my second year in Manila, and it was the word from the first chapter of Joshua, and it was all about being courageous. At the end of that year, I got cerebral malaria and came as close as I ever want to come to death and didn't die because God showed up, spoke an audible word over me. Absolutely incredible. Get up, <laughs> get to work, for I have healed you and felt an energy that I've never felt before. It's like every cell in my body rang with that word. And I went from having yellow eyeballs and yellow skin and vomiting blood and urinating blood to complete health. And I went back to the dock two days later to get another blood test because I was supposed to go to India, and that was part of get up, get to work. That was the work that I was praying over, do I go? And the doc said to his amazing, he'd never seen anything like this, where he said to me, you should have died. We caught this too late. And he said, I can't believe what I'm seeing in your blood test. There aren't any parasites. You should have died. I shouldn't tell you this. We diagnosed you wrong. <laughs> we got it wrong, and you weren't in the proper treatment. By the time we got you the proper treatment, and we actually had you on death watch, we thought you weren't going to make it. So when I get this word, given that history, <laughs> it gives me pause. So put yourself in the ruler's place. What did it give him in that moment? You just heard your daughter's dead. Stop bothering Jesus. Jesus comes back. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Story gets better. Jesus cuts off the multitude. Verse 37. And Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with them and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. Now, to achieve this kind of miracle, the Son of God had to exclude naysayers. He had to say, all doubt and unbelief, get out of here. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear your ridicule. I don't need to hear your weeping and your wailing. I don't need any of that. What I need is people of faith who will believe to come with me. For 2019... For CBN, we need to be people of faith. I look at the horizon politically, and frankly, it causes me some anxiety. I'm looking at a whole new level of 
political persecution for anyone who wants to support the president. I'm looking at a whole new level of political persecution for anyone of faith. Can you be approved to be a judge in America if you say you're an evangelical Christian? You look at past Supreme Court appointees the past 20 years. If you're an evangelical Christian, you don't even get considered. I know that's a hard word. It's getting to the point where if you're a Catholic Christian, you won't be considered. We've had Catholics who've been appointed, but now we're hearing your dogma speaks loudly. And if anyone of faith comes up, are we going to see what we saw in the last confirmation here, where there's no restraint? You do anything to make sure that they're not approved. We're a house divided. I know what the Bible says about that. We seem to be given over to immorality. We don't even question it anymore. So why is God telling me do not be afraid? Only believe. Because he's getting ready for a resurrection. That's why. He is getting ready for a resurrection. In this, we have to hold on to that. And we can't be dismayed either with, God, you're running late. Remember Lazarus. Master, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We give up on God. We give up on his ability at precisely the point in time when we should be magnifying his ability. You can't be too dead for a resurrection. He's able. Abraham believed that God could take Isaac from an eyelash and raise him back up. He believed that. We've got to get to that level where we only believe. We don't let fear govern our hearts, govern our prayers, govern what we think God can do. If God tells me, don't be afraid, only believe, what am I going to do? I'm going to believe. So today we're going to believe for supernatural provision. Things that are way outside the ordinary things that only God can do, the resurrection that is in his authority and power to do. I do not want to cling to my fear. I want to get rid of it. I want to dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, knowing he has my back. He has all the provision we need. Amen? Amen. So, are you ready to pray? Ready to beg like a ruler of a synagogue? (laughs) Let's pray for everything that we need. We're going to ask God is our provider. Let's pray. Lord, we lift the need to you. And we declare you are able. You are able to provide above all that we could ever ask, all that we could ever think. You are able So, Lord, you know the decisions we're making. We know the promises you have made. First of all, we ask for wisdom. Do not let us make a mistake. Let us follow you with our whole heart. Speak to us clearly the path forward. Speak to us not just clearly, but continually. Our hearts are prone to wander. We need your encouragement. 
We need your righteous right hand to be underneath us, girding us. Give us wisdom that only comes from you. You know the future. You know the way to go. Reveal it to us. Now, give us the strength of faith to persevere. When things look bad, give us the strength of faith to persevere, to know that the dawn is coming and that you're riding in. 